Welcome to another episode of the Sweater Vest Dialogues with Dr. James White and Pastor Douglas Wilson. Well, greetings and welcome to the Sweater Vest Dialogues. My name is James White, and uh, we are joined, of course, by the man that I, you know, I, I had figured because, you know, Idaho is degrees of latitude north of Phoenix, Arizona, where it's already 101 degrees to be 116 degrees the next two days here in Phoenix. That if I was dedicated enough to uh, our traditions to uh, be wearing a sweater vest in July in Phoenix, <laughs> that we could expect something uh, of that from from our friends in Moscow. But I'm sort of figuring that you've just been so um, overwhelmed with your battle with the, 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 the principalities and powers of Moscow uh, that uh, you, just, you just couldn't even remember a, a sweater vest. Is that sort of what's no, going on? No, I, I didn't forget it. I thought about it, but it's just so blazing hot up here. <laughs> <laughs> you guys don't know what heat is. Yeah, we don't. <laughs> we, we have no earthly idea. 116 in the shade. Uh, you know, honestly, this this I don't mean. Look, to make if you life. live in a, look, if you live in a place that's 116 in the shade, and you still live there, then I don't trust anything you say. <laughs> <laughs> I've lived here for over 40 years, so yes, I'm I'm well aware of of what people think. But look, uh, New Year's Day, uh, it's 72 for a high and 42 for a low, so it all it all evens out eventually. Yeah. But but honestly, here in Phoenix, one of the big things during the summer is they actually have public service announcements to remember your children in the car because every year we lose kids because really? it, it takes maybe 15 minutes and they're gone. Uh, if you leave them inside a car, um, it's, it's amazing, you know, car seats and stuff like that. You know, we've had big families that have, you know, 15 kids and somebody forgets and it's literally happened. And I've gotten into a car at 178 degrees inside the, inside the vehicle. So oh. It's uh, it's intense, but it's uh, it's our desert and we love it. So, yes. But anyway, so, so your sympathies go out to me as to why I would not want to wear a sweater vest because of the nice weather. <laughs> no, I, I have no. No, sorry. Uh, I, I have I, I hoped to get a, a taste of, of what Moscow was like uh, a, a few weeks ago. But we'll, we'll maybe that'll happen again someday. I don't know. I'm sort I'm personally concerned about uh, such things as um uh, travel visas, as far as health visas and medical visas and stuff oh, like that, no. just get on, you know, just get on planes. Uh, yeah, coming it's, just up, re it's redonkulous. It is absolutely insane. But anyway, um, there are foundational issues underneath all of this stuff. Um, obviously, a lot of people have been listening to what both of us have been saying on these particular subjects. And underneath all of that is a fundamental conflict with it, it almost seems like we hit a tipping point recently with our society uh, between people who still at least functioned with some momentum of a belief in a creator and that this world has some meaning outside of what could be assigned by Charles Darwin or, uh, or Dawkins, right. which is basically nothing. Um, and it's almost like that all that, that, that just shifted Right. And and it seems to explain a lot of what is 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 happening in our in our world today. We live you and I live in a world with a creator who can speak and who can assign meaning and makes 
the sunrise this morning that we had here in Phoenix, absolutely beautiful and gorgeous. Right. Rather than in a world where the sunrise in Phoenix this morning was nothing more than a certain spectrum of light reflected off of a cloud layer. Right. Um, and that makes all the difference in the world. Um, what do you think about that? Absolutely. So uh, what we're what you're touching on, what you're pointing to, is what uh, Cornelius Van Til referred to as epistemological self-consciousness. Uh, a lot of people talk about the polarization that's happening in America right now, which is a good term for it. But I think there are Christians on one end who are epistemologically self-conscious. They know who they are. They know who their God is. They know why they function the way they function. And then they're at, on the atheistic secular left, they too are uh, the the leadership, the people who are driving this thing are also epistemologically self-conscious. Mm -hmm. And if there is no God in heaven, imagine there's no heaven above us, uh, then there is absolutely no reason not to live like Jeffrey Epstein did, right? Yeah. There's absolutely, and, and there are people at the top who who follow that logic and who, who are doing so. And then you've got the, the people in the middle. Uh, there are some people who are sort of on, um, they've got an institutional memory of the way things used to be when there was a Christian consensus. And we are discovering what happens when that group of people gets yelled at by, by the people on the far left extreme. They right. don't have answers. They, they were able to run on memory, institutional memory, uh, and did so for decades. But when someone starts yelling at them and screaming at them and demanding that they crawl, demanding they tear down their statues, demanding that they put on a mask, that they do all these things, they know that there's something wrong with it, but they don't know how to articulate. Uh, they don't, ha don't know how to articulate what's wrong with it because they've not had a worldview education. They've not had a Christian education. They're not epistemologically self-conscious in, in a Christian sense. So the, uh, the alleged conservatives uh, have been MIA mm -hmm. in this whole thing. They've been hiding in their closets. They don't know what in the world to say. They, like you said, they, they feel there's something wrong about this. They recognize it's different than the way it used to be, but they don't have a leg to stand on to be able to shout back in essence and say, no, you are wrong. And here is why you are wrong because they abandon any type of, meaningful well they all became episcopalians a long time ago that's that's basically <laughs> what, what the problem yeah. is there yeah and and when you when you have at the at the at the national cathedral when you have trees walking in yeah. um wearing homosexual banners and stuff like that yeah that's not really going to provide you much in the way of a, of a solid foundation for being able to push back against right. what is taking place right now there there are pockets and uh, you know so just recently just a few days ago here in idaho uh, there was the um, the Republican State Convention where all the mm -hmm. Republicans got together. And we have a Republican governor, Brad Little, who ordered us into lockdown um, in sort of the typical soft center-right kind. Of, he's a center-right kind of governor. Um, right. But he ordered Same us here. into lockdown. And, um, and the Republican Party, meeting in their convention, just condemned that. Mm. And so wow. I thought, whoa. But but here's the problem. Um, they're not they, they can say that doesn't make sense, man. Um, and because because my business or because of this, it's, it's a common sense argument. 
But we are we're past the level of common sense. We are down to we're down to first principles. And it's either Christ or chaos. That's uh, those are our basic options, Christ or chaos. Uh, there, I don't know if you saw the news story about the teacher, I think, in the state of Washington, saying that two plus two equals four was a colonial concept. Yes, yes. Uh, her name was Brittany, and uh, we all tried to make Brittany very famous, even though Brittany was not the first one to say that. It's been said for quite some time, but yes, uh, I, I put out a, a challenge sort of before it went viral to anyone, uh, to all my woke friends, would you get on a plane designed by Brittany? is the question that I asked. I didn't get right. anybody offering that they would do that. No. I just... No. What's, what, is, what do two wings mean when you come right down to it? Right? <laughs> and why do they have to be on opposite sides anyway? Right. I mean, yeah, put them on the same so side. It looks so much better. Yeah, put them on, on the two, left side. We want two left two wings. Two left wings is pretty much how everybody's <laughs> flying these days anyways. Okay, so, all right. So right now it's really easy in light of the fact that um, unless you're living in a lead mind, a lead lined room, um, you are well aware of what's going on. And, and, you know, I try to look for silver linings. I suppose in some ways, what has happened over the past six months, seven months now has forced a lot of Christians to at least realize that if our faith doesn't address issues like this, why do we have it? What, what, I mean, the people who have had this totally disconnected, uh, I've got my religious life, then I've got my life out in the world perspective are starting to realize not even the world's going to allow that, that right. that's, that's not going to, that's not going to happen. And so many opportunities of addressing these issues, you, we have to be thinking these things through and it's been very uncomfortable for a right. lot of people to think these things through. Uh, part of the reason I'm optimistic, despite all the, the, the rampaging stupid, uh, part of the reason I, I'm optimistic is in the long run, stupid is not a strategy. Stupidity right. doesn't work. Um, and things, this, is a, this is an intellectual, moral, theological frenzy. And like, just like crying fits or, or other sorts of seizures, they can't go on and on and on and on. But conservatives, uh, Rahm Emanuel famously said, um, never let a crisis go to waste. Well, right. he's not the only one who can um, articulate or take that good advice. What's happening now, I think, is, is quite possibly going to destroy academia in North America. It's you're right. Right. And right. What, what we wouldn't get together and vote out, it looks like God is nuking from space. <laughs> right. Uh, and <laughs> nuking from orbit, just to make sure. Just okay. to make sure. And, right. and so, and they're all doing it to themselves. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, colleges, there are numerous colleges that were marginal. It was a higher education boom to begin with. And uh, a lot of co colleges were already marginal and uh, dependent on federal money that's not going to keep coming. And then right. uh, if they try to open in person in the fall um, and they only get half their students or a third of their students, that they're not going to be able to function. I think I think we're going to be looking at the collapse of a lot of colleges that they did to themselves. And, and a conservative conspiracy can't be blamed for it. This is right. This is a mass suicide. This yeah. is um, Jehoshaphat going out to 
battle with the the choir out in front. And when we get there, all the all the colleges jumped off a cliff. And the colleges are the ones that are pumping this insanity right. into the broader culture. Right. But Doug, okay, so let, let's let's take the most post millennial perspective possible here and say. <laughs> Uh, we, we see a, a huge decline in, in the secular uh, university attendance, et cetera, et cetera. And, and I've seen a number of articles, I'd like to believe that they're true, uh, a huge increase in homeschooling. Yes. Uh, parents all of a sudden going, man, these, these offspring of mine are really sort of cool. And uh, my goodness, they behave differently when they're around me all day rather than around all the rest of the rugrats and, right. and so on and so forth. And, and, and so let, let's say all of that uh, happens, yet there has to be a formed, functional, meaningful Christian worldview amongst right. all these Christians to be able to make things go the right direction. And one of the biggest problems, in my opinion, is that quote unquote evangelicalism, whatever in the world that means uh, in the United States has so compromised on foundational issues and especially the issue of God as creator that it concerns me because we've, we've, been, we've been hobbling along on a semi-biblical worldview that's missing the foundation. Right. I mean, I cannot think honestly of any element of the Christian worldview that does not eventually find its, its underpinning in the reality of God as creator. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that is just foundational. Yeah, the, the Apostles' Creed, I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. Start, right. start there and everything follows. Um, right. And the, I think your job, my job, and the job of, um, unfortunately so far, a relative handful of others is in this time of the, the raging floods of panic and commotion and manipulation and control, I think our job is to be the levee that doesn't break. Okay, so uh, we need to stand firm, hold, you know, hold, hold steady, don't let you know the don't let the people who say man you're being a little extreme here and um well no god is the creator he's not going to let us he's not going to let us destroy the planet this way that's not the way the planet's going out um culture human cultures go out this way yep right yep. uh civilizations go out this way but um mother earth does not go out this way um so the the thing that is important for us to, uh, I guess, realize is that if we, if we stand firm, if we trust in the God whose MO is to shake things up, so, as it says in Hebrews, so that what cannot be shaken may remain. Mm. And we Christians are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. So if we are preaching the kingdom, if we're preaching the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, if we're preaching that God is our creator and we owe everything to him, if we are declaring the word unambiguously, it doesn't matter how many shakable things collapse. That message cannot collapse. That gospel cannot collapse. And I've seen, it, this. it's only been six months of this or less, um, I have seen a massive reaction 
on the part of many Christians who have been getting anemic, anemic preaching and teaching, um, pablum, uh, mm-hmm. from, pablum from the pulpit. And, and they're saying, this, I'm sorry, friend, this just isn't going to cut it. I, right. We need the whole counsel of God. Yeah, people are seeing that. And the, the, the question really is going to be, uh, I mean, you're, you're dealing with students there. You're dealing with, uh, with the millennial and South uh, generations. Um, they've been given so much, uh, you're calling it pablum, but, but so much empty, vacuous type of worldview uh, teaching, and even in their churches, but, but right. secularly even more so, that really the question that comes up is how do we present the old time reality of God as purposeful, sovereign maker and sustainer of all things right. to a society that is steeped in the religion of Darwinism and to a church that has in many ways capitulated to Darwin when it comes to mankind's you know, they, they may still say we bear the imago dei. They may say we have the image of God, but how that can be true in light of what they really believe about Darwin and Darwin's essential correctness, they've never been able to figure that out. And once the world starts pushing on that, it, it all collapses anyways. Uh, ab- absolutely. And, and so consequently, the foundation... Uh, it's not for nothing that God gave us a, a Bible that starts with Genesis one and two. Those right. those are the footings. Though everything builds off of that, God created the heavens and the earth, and then in the New Testament it reiterates that that Christ was the the executive of this. God created all things through Him, and apart from Him, nothing was made that was made, and that means creation from nothing. On the one hand, I said earlier, Christ or chaos, creation from nothing with Christ as the executive of the Father who does that work for him and the Spirit hovers over the face of the deep. Or on the other, it's just endless time and chance acting on matter. Right. It's, it's chaos. It's like 10 tons of confetti dumped into an F5 tornado. Um, that's what the world is. And I just recently, uh, back in, uh, when, the, when this first came out, uh, when Francis Schaeffer wrote a book called The Christian Manifesto back in the early 80s. And I just I read it back then, and I just listened to it again. I just went through it again. And this is, what, 40 years, almost 40 years ago. Right, right. And it is remarkable how prescient that book yes. is. Basically, it's not that we weren't warned. No, no, no. We no, we no. We were we were warned, and yeah, 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 yeah. But America will still go on. You know, right. things things are going to remain rock solid, steady, and it's as though everybody's got uh, amnesia that comes in two week increments. Right? Yeah. They come for the Confederate statues, and you say, "Hey, listen, it's not just Confederate statues. It's going to be other statues in a minute." You're you're crazy. You're a madman. You're babbling. What are you talking about? And then. Two weeks later, <laughs> right? They're, they're going the, after Washington and Frederick Douglass, right? Yes. <laughs> well, it's, it's not just Frederick Douglass. Uh, it's not just Washington. It's Frederick Douglass and abolitionists and 
Ulysses Grant, for crying out loud. Yeah, I think somebody <laughs> somebody is failing to grasp the concept. Or, more more to the point, we're the ones not grasping the concept. Right, right, because, right. They're going after memory. They're not going after Confederacy. Yeah, they're they're going, and, they're, and George Orwell is next. He, George yep. Orwell himself is going to go down the memory hole because mm-hmm. everything must go down the memory hole so that their socialist paradise— um, you know, Venezuela, that sort of thing. Their socialist paradise is going to be the only thing on the menu. And it's always been this good, they're going to tell us. It's always been this good. <laughs> and the chocolate rations have always been right where they are now. And, right, uh, yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. No, I. that's what's coming. We. The, the, the thing that's frustrating is you can see it. Um, the question is what you do about it. And that's what we're trying to do. I think the only way to really address it is to seek God's face and to seek, uh, I, I, I don't like necessarily the term uh, revival uh, in light of some of the uses of that term in the past, but certainly a, a grand move of the Spirit of God in uh, bringing a conviction of understanding of who we are as human beings. That's, that's another thing that is, is absolutely central here, is if you don't have a creator God, then we ourselves are uh, as you described it in your, uh, we, I'm not sure if you're aware of this. We've both debated Dan Barker. Oh, okay. And in fact, I, I, I debated Dan on a local radio station uh, a number of times with a, a shock jock by the name of Tom Likas back in the eighties. Uh-huh. And um, then we've done two formal debates uh, since then. And uh, so in your debate with Dan Barker, you utilized, if I recall correctly, the, the phraseology of, of uh, fizzing chemicals, uh, you yeah. know, one one Fanta and one one Seven Up, and they're just fizzing, and that's 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 really all we are. We're stardust. We're molecules bumping against one another. There's no way to ground any meaning. Uh, why should we care about the memory of our nation? Right. Why should we care about um, how we fought during the Civil War? And who did what and who was brave when all those things are being wiped out because of the political desire to wipe out all memory, all connection to the past. You can create a new a new a new uh, culture. But why should we care about why men did things the way they did? Because they were just fizzing bottles of pop like we're fizzing bottles of pop. It doesn't, there is no meaning to it. It's the end of history. It is completely the end of any meaningful history. And so Orwell can describe that as the ministry of truth and re-editing all the newspapers, which would be a whole lot easier to do now than it was in Orwell's day. That's for sure. He couldn't have foreseen how easy it is to do things now. But that also results in the destruction of humanity itself as having any my life does not matter because my life might get wiped out tomorrow by a change in how the state wants to do history. Then yeah. you're left having absolutely zero meaning. It seems to me that if we can connect the fact that this one creator, God has revealed himself, there is an empty tomb that shows that he has revealed himself in this world, that he is, he is very, very concerned about what takes place here. He's invaded his own creation together with what that means about us as human beings that is a message that we need to be getting out to everybody with more fervor than I think we've ever thought we would need to communicate it with. Yeah, absolutely. And and um, as C.S. you you uh, use the phrase destruction of humanity. 
Uh, C.S. Lewis's wonderful book, The Abolition of Man, touches on this. You, once you've destroyed every trace of obligation from outside of us, which is what a creator uh, right. necessitates. A creator means I've got obligations to him. Once you eradicate that and you've completely submitted to a Darwinian atheistic uh, worldview, once you've done that, all obligation vanishes, but the phrase I want remains, right? Mm. So the, the people who are grabbing for power and that's what it is. is a It's a hungry, avaricious, greedy power grab. Uh, that's consistent with their worldview, right? They, 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 um, they have no obligation outside themselves, and there's nothing that they need obey except their own desires. And if their desires are to dominate us, to rule over us, to dictate to us, then that's what they're going to do. And so we need mental... We need a mental infrastructure. We need uh, a worldview, a framework for answering these things to, to respond to the challenge. And we need men, pastors, who are able, when the demands of uh, this kind of secularism, ardent secularism, come our way, we need men with backbone who have the, the ammo, the resources to stand up and say something like, let me think about it. No. <laughs> Let me burn a couch on that one. Um, <laughs> well, but when we say, okay, right now we can still say no. Mm -hmm. We still we still have that freedom. Um, I'm I'm looking toward November and well, okay, January, and really wondering how quickly could the movement come our direction to try to shut everything down as right. far as communication, because we know, we know the other side cannot en engage in debate. Right. <laughs> Both of us have done lots of debates, uh, watching, watching you interacting with the students uh, in those uh, debates a few years ago. At Bloomington, uh, and yeah. just, uh, and just, and by the way, when, when you, when you said to that one young lady um, that you frequently have thoughts that require more than one sentence to express them, <laughs> I, how did you keep a straight face? I mean, I mean, seriously, that was, that was one of the most, that was classic. I, well, I, I don't think I've ever had a chance to tell you how classic that was, but that was well, classic. Thank you. Because <laughs> that <was> <laughs> that's what I wanted to say to so many people, but you, you can get away with it. I really, you know, your uncle Dougie. I'm I'm just the mean. Yeah. Oh yeah, right. I'm the nice one. I see. I have that. <laughs> How did that happen? <laughs> see, is that why I'm I'm hanging out with you is to make me look good? <laughs> uh, exactly right. You're you're looking like the nice, calm, sane one. Uh, yeah. That's exactly what this is all about. Somebody's going to say yeah. James James and Douglas need to get a firmer grip on the good cop bad cop routine. <laughs> <laughs> very, yeah. very much so. But but no. But but the way that they responded to you when. When and and look, I'm I'm confessing a really deep, um, and it's a serious character flaw, and you're you're much better at this than I am. You, uh, when I encounter someone who plainly detests rationality, detests logic, and lives completely in an emotional roller coaster roller coaster realm. Mm -hmm. I struggle to deal with that kind of person. I really, really do. I find it disrespectful to themselves. I find it disrespectful to me, to the people around us, to the world around us, 
because we're created by God to think his thoughts after him. And here's somebody who in their rebellion is doing everything they possibly can to do the exact opposite of that. I, I really honestly struggle in that situation. I really, really do. Now I've, I've obviously navigated it more than once in public situations, but it requires a supernatural effort. There's no question about it, but that, but how do we, we can't get the other side right now to actually engage us. So we have to sort of turn our, our direct, our, our attention to the people in the middle that right. are wondering what in the world's going on and explain to them, this is why they can't debate. This is why they won't debate. And this is why you need to stand against them. Right. I, I had a, I think of a verse near the end of Jude where it says, snatch people from the fire, detesting the, you know, uh, even the clothing uh, that's right. stained by the, the sin. There has to be a balance of, Loving the sinner and and really genuinely detesting the th- the things they're all tangled up in, um, and 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 as Lewis again points out, there's one person we, there's one person we've been doing that for our entire lives, and that's ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we know how to s- distinguish the sinner and the sin, and wish want what's best for us, and say this sin's got to go. Well, there are some people who have not yet gotten to that point of enlightenment that the prodigal son came to when he right. was when he was staring at the pig food, and and when you encounter that that person, uh, what what you have to do is say, Lord, give me that that vision that is expressed there at the end of Jude. I have a a friend. I had a friend years ago who, when he was a little boy, his father not a, his father wasn't doing this from a Christian framework, but his father wanted to keep him away from substance abuse. So his father took him in a, on a tour of Skid Row. Mm. And just his, his father walked him through Skid Row to see all the winos lying in the alleys um, and saying, this is what happens when you start, when you start going down this, row, uh, th- this road, this is, this is where men wind up. I've often thought that we ought to do something similar intellectually by walking people through philosophy departments or English <laughs> um, English departments because we're, what yeah. we're dealing what we're dealing with is intellectual wreckage mm-hmm. uh, um, and the people the these people who can't uh, keep a, a coherent thought in their heads um, are rootless they're uprooted rootless children who've been abandoned by their teachers by their pastors by their parents um, and not they've not been protected. They're they're like sheep without a shepherd. We we had an incident at our uh, our second church service last Sunday, where someone came to disrupt the service, and the cops were wow. called. And and um, oh, you and, still have cops? Uh, yeah, and we oh, okay. we do. And these guys, <laughs> these cops were good guys. Uh, the our our security team got the guy outside, and then a couple of cops came and talked to him, and then after the service was over, I went out and talked to him for 20 minutes or half an hour. And he was just a troubled, badly educated jumble of thoughts. Mm-hmm. And um, and I think this is, of, of course, at the end of the day, you and I both know that God judges every individual, and every individual will, will answer to God for his own sin. At the same time, we know that one sinner can work another sinner over, and and really do some damage, mm-hmm. and and this is uh, we, we are dealing with the fruits of 
uh, a generation-long experiment in ardent secularism in our school system. This yeah. is this is what happens. Yep. All right, and uh, and that you can't be a little bit pregnant. You can't be just a little bit of a denier of God. Either it's going to it's going to be a Gresham's law sort of thing. Bad um, bad money drives out good. Um, bad thinking drives out good thinking. If you toler right. if you tolerate it, it's going to swallow the, swallow up everything. Yeah. Well, that's what we're seeing. There's no question about it. And I just <clears throat> I did not on 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 New Year's Day, 2020. I did not see what 2020 was going to look like. We, everybody, everybody was sitting around going, okay, there's a national election. It's going to get pretty weird. Sure. It's going to be an interesting year, et cetera, et cetera. But I had no way, nobody had any way of, of knowing that, uh, that the strange coalescence of things would reveal hearts quite as quickly as hearts indeed have been been revealed yeah had, had we known we wouldn't have come <laughs> <laughs> would have stayed in 2019 that was a pretty good year right now it's looking like the golden age right now no, no toys about it but nothing we could do about it here we are um and yet you know you were just talking about these 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 people are a jumble of emotions and again there seems we seem to have institutionalized infancy at the highest levels of our government and our, our educational institutions. I mean, when you can when you have to find a safe space, when you just encounter another way of thinking, that is not no society can survive that. Right. You yeah. do, that that cannot long endure. Right. But but the question is. Uh, what, how do we, in the most effective manner, call people, first our own people, and then the people who claim to be our own people? In other words, uh, churches that, you know, right now are, are playing footsie with the social justice movement and everything else. Mm -hmm. uh, call, call anyone who claims to have fidelity to Christ, and then, then call the whole culture as a whole to recognize that living an emotional being without discipline right. is self-destructive. And the reason it's self-destructive is you were not made that way. Right. You have a creator. Right. How do you emphasize that in a way that catches the attention of the person who honestly thinks that their emoting is deep thought? Yeah. There, there are two things. In a generation dominated by emotions, like you said, by, dominated by the feels, Right. Um, if that's your reality, that if you feel that way, then it's true for you. Um, this is the basically it's the uh, coherent school of thought as opposed to the correspondence view of truth. Correspondence view of truth says if I say the door is closed, that proposition is true. If it corresponds to a door over there being actually, in fact, closed, mm -hmm. uh, that's correspondence. Co coherence means as long as it is you, as long as it's your story and you're able to make it cohere within its own frame of reference, then it's tr then that's true for you. Well, we have we have given ourselves over to that, and the thing this is really telling. This is part of the thing that illustrates to me why I think there are uh, deeper forces at work in all of this. Mm -hmm. In this moment, when we are starting to circle the drain because we're given over to the feels 
the cry goes up in evangelical circles. What we clearly need in this moment, dominated by emotion and, the, and feelings, is women pastors. <laughs> and, and you say, well, now notice, I, I bet I, I bet you $10 that there are people watching this who would say, well, I'm a complementarian, and I, I believe that uh, the the uh, pastorate is limited to men because Paul says, you know, and I agree. But why'd you have to say that? You know, why did you have to associate women with feeling, right? right. Um, well, because that's stereotyping. That's generalizing. That's illegal. That's illegal, isn't it? Right. Uh, well, it is. It, it is, or it's going to be in the new world you're trying to create. Right. And and so the thing that that I found really helpful on this emotional thing, the illustration I found helpful, is emotions are like children. Um, and some people have children and they're out of control. Other people have children and they're well-disciplined and they obey when you tell them to come and they, uh, you know, they, they're, they're well-disciplined, well-loved children. And the people with emotions out of control think that the people with well-disciplined children don't have children. Right. Uh, if someone is self-controlled, uh, if they are self-governed, if they are able to uh, uh, submit heart, soul, gut thoughts to Christ and all of that submitted to Christ, then the person whose uh, kids are running around like banshees turns to you and says, well, you, you just don't have emotions. Well, no, I have. Uh, yeah, no. We all have emotions. We're just mm -hmm. supposed to be obedient to Christ with them. Right. And the people who have emotions out of control, the only time they uh, uh, enjoy their children is when the children are asleep. <laughs> right. And people, people, you know, they can go in and look at how cute they are. And, right. Then, right. and then at 6.30 a.m. the next morning, the reign of terror begins again. That's right. Uh, people who have children that are cared for, washed, clothed, educated, disciplined, uh, enjoy their children all the time. <laughs> right. 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 <clears throat> I, I, th I don't think people understand that, for example, uh, going back to that one comment you made to a questioner during the, the, the debate at the university where she kept interrupting you and you, you finally said, uh, you know, I, I do often have thoughts that take more than one sentence to express. Um, there was that was actually an expression of your emotion. Yes, you just controlled it and channeled it into the one of the most classic zings of all time. But it was still there. Right. It, it's not that you're an automaton. Uh, right. You just disciplined it and controlled it and utilized it to make a to, to make a point. All of us have those emotions. But I I've, I remember the day, Doug. I remember exactly where I was. I've told the story before on the dividing line where I was riding a bike in the front yard of my uh, family's house at uh, 301 St. Mark's Road in Camp Hill, Pennsylvania. And um, a friend, a playmate, insulted me. And my first reaction was to get off my bike and do what a lot of six-year-olds do, and that is run inside the house and tell my mommy to get him in trouble. Mm-hmm. I stopped my bike and then all of a sudden the thought crossed my mind. You know, it's a long ways to go in there and tell her and who really cares? And I, I remember this to this day when all of a sudden I realized, you know what? 
I don't have to be controlled by others and I don't have to react that way. This is sort of cool. And that was when I reached an important level of maturity, which it seems in our society is now considered to be a bad thing. And not, not only a level of maturity, but a level of liberation. Oh, yes. Right. Oh, yes. Um, because as soon as you is and, and this is you can tell when a church is starting to go liberal, when they're starting to um, project what others might say, if you say this, then somebody might react. Somebody might be hurt, or some. What if somebody with an abusive background comes is is here this Sunday, and what if an alcoholic is there? What what, what if what if what? If, and they generate all these things, um, saying that I've got to be under the tyranny of every hypothetical situation I can think up. And then if you, what you've experienced there was liberation from an actual situation, right. you you didn't have to react. It, with the feels, you could right. just say, "Oh, right," and carry on and do the right thing. If you're if you're constantly monitoring what the rest of the world thinks, you're you're seeding the you're giving the bullies the microphone, right? Yep. When when you if if you had run in to tell your mom, then the bully, the boy who taunted you, would have gotten exactly what he wanted, right? Right. right. And if I stay off of certain topics in the pulpit because of who might walk in, then the moderates and the squishes and, and then the intoleristas on the far left have gotten, have gotten they've maneuvered me. They've yep. steered me into the place where they want me to be. That would be a real problem if we didn't have, as we talked about in our last dialogue, an objective, consistent revelation from God uh, that when we, when we open it, when we handle it honestly, when we handle it consistently, when we especially rein in our feels and not project our feels into its words so that our feels become the word of God. So in other words, when we really do meaningful exegesis and handle the word properly and, and, and proclaim the whole counsel of God, we can, with Paul, say, I'm, I'm innocent of the blood of any man. Right. Because I've I've de I've delivered the whole counsel of God. That let's just be honest: a large number of, well, I would say a majority of denominations, churches, people who call themselves Christians in the United States, don't really believe that we have the Word of God any longer. They don't believe that it's a consistent revelation. They don't believe that we have to proclaim that whole counsel because there really isn't a whole counsel to proclaim. Right. So I get why they can't go there, but those of us who make that profession have a tremendous blessing and boon in being able to have a clear conscience and saying, I've proclaimed the whole counsel of God and I did so without, I, I did everything I could. I literally prayed before God, take me out of the way. Let this be your word, your message. And as a result, um, we can trust that that word will minister because we have a creator who made it to do that. He knows us. He knows we're made in his image. He's provided us everything we need for life and godliness. Man, that takes a lot of pressure off. Uh, abs absolutely. The, his word will not return void. This is his appointed instrument for doing what he wants to do in the world. And, and so one of the things that evangelicals have to shake loose of is the idea that a profession of in inerrancy is sufficient. No, we believe in an inerrant Bible, an infallible Bible, but we also believe in a sufficient 
Bible, and we believe in an, in an authoritative Bible. So we've right. got to get from inspired, infallible, inerrant, sufficient, down to authoritative. Um, so uh, something my dad taught me, I forget when, but a long, long time ago, he, he taught me that we are to have a priori, no problem passages, mm. right? So um, once the exegesis is done, I can, have a, I can have a problem with regard to a passage when I don't know what it means yet, when I haven't done right. the work yet. I might have a problem uh, understanding why, why, is, why does it say this here and that there. But once the exegesis is done and I know what the Word says, uh, my dad taught me at that point, no problems, no apologies, no backing down. If, if this is the Word of God, then you stand with it. You, you don't apologize for it. You don't waffle or noodle with it. You don't uh, skip over it. When, this is one of the reasons why expository preaching is so good, is it keeps you from riding your own hobby horses. Right. You know, if, you, if you're going to preach through this book, you're going to have to— you can't just, <laughs> can't just right. skip over chapter 9, right? <laughs> <laughs> hmm, why, why would you say chapter 9? I have no idea. Yeah. <laughs> no, but, but that also exposes our traditions. That means we have, to ex- we have to examine our traditions in the light of Scripture. That's where Semper Reformanda comes from. Right. Uh, it, it's, it's so vitally important. But let me, let me ask you, I'd be interested in, in, in your estimation here, because I, I give mine all the time. But if you looked at, uh, let's just go with all of Protestant Christianity in the United States, all the denominations, churches, and associated educational institutions. Right. What percentage of those would you think actually believes in an inspired, inerrant, sufficient, authoritative revelation that is consistent with itself in communicating to the church everything we need for life and godliness. Okay, obviously this is a ballpark, right? I'm Oh yeah, not I, no, I I want it down to a tenth of a percent. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um I would say uh 10 to 15%. Yeah, okay. Okay. You're and, you're actually you're a little bit more generous than I am, but yeah, okay. And part of this is and I've seen this actually happen where there, there are people who are compromised and go in the wrong direction. They're, they're in the process of going over to the other side, and they're going to collapse the first chance they get, right? They're going to surrender to the enemy because they were actually saboteurs on our side. They were, you know, they're, they're, there are people, denominations and seminaries and magazines, and they're, they're in the process of going the wrong way. Then there are people, the 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 true bluers, the, you know, um, puddle glum, uh, puddle glum Presbyterian, you know, uh, where they're, they're rock solid and they're not compromising and they're, and, and there's a small group there. Then there's a, the reason I get to 10, 15% is I've oftentimes seen people who don't see the problems early on, but when it gets to a certain order of magnitude, Mm -hmm. the, the lights come on and they say, oh, the, those faithful guys who tried to warn me so many times, mm-hmm. th- they were on to something, right? So right. Um, I, th- I think that, uh, that we're probably talking about 10 to 15% institutions that will either be found to be standing faithfully or will revert to faithfulness when the pressure comes. 
So imagine yourself um, landing in the middle of a battle, you know, or some chaotic situation, and you have to decide which direction you're going to run to get take refuge. Are you going to run to the secularists, or are you going to run to the the epistemologically self-conscious Christians, the the right. Christians who believe that that our Father in heaven is Almighty and He made heaven and earth. So. <clears throat> Uh, we're, we're getting toward the end of our time together. Um, one of the things I had suggested when, when the correspondence was going back and forth as to what topics we'd be looking at is uh, one of the lines that I, I remember writing in the email was something along the lines of it's um, uh, who do you want to live next door to? Um, and one of the, one of the thoughts was uh, really how you and your neighbor view yourselves as to whether you are, cosmic accidents mm -hmm. or whether you are created by God seems to me to be fundamental to what a culture is going to be like and how it's, how it's going to treat its citizens, uh, the levels of liberty and freedom that are going to be available, uh, all of these things. Yeah. And so this issue of, you know, I, I you know, I grew up uh, battling the whole creation thing. I was the only I was literally the only creationist in the biology department at my Christian college <laughs> when I was a, I was a double major Bible and biology, a minor in Greek. And uh, I was the only creationist in my Christian college biology department. Right. And so I've, this has been an issue in the scientific realm for me for a very, very long time. I'm, I'm good friends with Jason Lyle. I'm not sure if you know who Jason Lyle is, mm -hmm. but he's a, He's the smartest man I've ever met. And uh, I, I mean, I, I've had the joy of going out and uh, stargazing with him. And I was going to be able to do that in August, but we had to call that off because of all the madness up in Colorado. But um, the, the man can, can just sit there in the dark and point to stuff and go, that's that, and that's that, and it's this far away. And this is how many moons are around that thing over there. It's just, <laughs> it's just astonishing. Uh, but he's also a great presuppositionalist too. He's just, right. he's just a, just a wonderful brother. But, so I, I, the scientific aspect of it, okay, I, we've had conferences and, and debates for decades. It just seems to me, though, that there has been a fundamental thought chasm, even between, even amongst those who, who will say, oh, no, I, I, I see that God, God, is the, God created all things, and the, this is really important. There seems to be a thought chasm between that and what that means in theology and what that means, therefore, in morals, ethics, law, and the whole Christian worldview. It's, it's like there's just this, this dropout. Yeah. Like it can, it can stand over there by itself and it's a truth by itself, but we don't seem to live in light of it. We don't seem to make application of it. But, is, is it be, do you think it's just because of the, of the influence of all the Darwinism around us? Or is it just because we're never pushed to really be coherent in our theology. Well, I would say that we're not pushed in a particular direction. So they, let's say you're talking about a Christian. Yeah, I believe in creation and I believe all this stuff, but they don't, they don't seem to understand why the house is on fire. Um, right. And, and this, is, this is why, I think. Um, Christians, basically, a lot of Christians take the things you, you, the things you were just saying and which I would affirm as well, that atheism and secularism and there is no God, that has downstream ramifications. 
And they take that and they say, okay, I'm willing to check that off. I, I agree with that. But they live next door to an atheist. And when they go on vacation, they wouldn't mind asking this atheist who seems like a nice guy to take their mail in and to watch their dog and, you know, things like that. Right. They, they don't believe that as soon as their camper is around the corner that the atheist is going to run over and burn down their house because atheism, right? They, they, they say that's just ridiculous. I live next to an atheist. I know him. He's a nice guy, right? But the problem is they're not getting a, an adequate sample size. Uh, there are atheists who live in the middle of Christian societies who are propped up by those Christian societies, mm. who, who are there are cultural and uh, societal expectations that hold them in. There's never been an atheistic society that wasn't right. a hellhole. Every, every right. atheistic society where um, the governing authorities said there is no God above us, and we're all just the end product. You know, just think North Korea. Um, right. You you think of places like that. So when when the uh, uh, the theology or the anti theology works its way out to the corporate level, what you get is totalitarianism, absolutism, chaos, anarchy. You get what you get is a total mess. Put another way, what you get is what we're getting now. All right. We're starting to see the the formation of the chaos merchants. The the chaos merchants want everything to be torn down. And this is because there's a fundamental ancient pagan faith that believes that order springs spontaneously out of chaos. And if if the civilization the Christian order that you despise is getting in your way, what you do is you blow the whole thing up in the faith that something magnificent will replace it, <laughs> right? Because Darwin. Because Darwin. That's right. That's right. Well, <clears throat> we, have a, um, we have a sure word in, in these words, uh, for by him were all things made, whether the heavens, the earth, visible or invisible, the thrones or lordships or rulers or authorities, all things were made through him and for him, and I love the last uh, verse 17 of Colossians 1. He is before all things, and in him all things sunestiken. Sunestiken. They hold together. They yeah. cohere. They have, they have their substance. He is the ordering principle. He is the one that holds all these things together. And my hope and prayer is that as everything comes apart and flies apart, that the Spirit of God will uh, utilize his, his true followers, his true followers of Jesus to be a bright light and, a, and proclaimers of the message that if you want to find order, you have to find it in the one who gives us order. And the wonderful, beautiful thing about the Christian faith is he's not far from any one of us. And in fact, he has entered into his own creation and has provided perfect redemption in his own work. And there is an empty tomb that proves all of this. And that's a message that we need to be bold in our proclamation. But man, I'll tell you, let's hope this shaking will shake a lot of the things that have been standing in the way of that message right out of the way so that uh, we can see a, um, a true fundamental change, but one that is uh, toward uh, recognition of Christ's kingdom and his lordship. Amen. Stand on your two feet and preach Christ. That's what we need to be doing. Well, Doug, again, uh, I'm, I just want you to know that uh, despite 
um, your uh, temperature um, irregularities. If, and I, if I had a sweater on in this room, I would be dead by now. <laughs> it's probably cooler in here than it is in your room. Yeah. I, yeah, uh, yeah. So I'll give you that. <laughs> uh, but come December, it'll be it'll be yeah. a little bit different. Yeah. But uh, but I appreciate once again the opportunity of uh, talking with you. I hope that uh, these times that we share together are encouraging to others, and especially at this time, we really want to be encouraging many to stand in the gap because yeah. uh, these are. Um, extraordinary times. They are yes. extraordinary times. They really, truly are. So Amen. thank you, brother, for uh, for this time. And I uh, look forward to the next time. God bless. All right. God bless.